Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram's High School Huddle Podcast. I'm Peter Dawson, and as always, I'm joined by Brian Gossett. Brian, a little chilly out there. As you, know, you know it's playoff football time. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect time of year. Just a couple of weeks left before the, the big show over there at Jerry's World for the state title games. Uh, looking forward to another great episode, just recapping some regional round action, state quarterfinals even TAPS finals, and uh, you know, at the end of the show, we'll talk about our little coaching salaries that we dug up from uh, 6A and 5A from around the state. Little, little, the giant list yeah. that took us, our, our staff, uh, hard-working folks. Yeah. yeah, a couple of months to finally get them all, but we've got a lot to get to, so we're going to jump right into it, and we're going to start with a game that we talked about a lot last week and, and has, a, has a rich history, rich uh, quasi-rivalry, I'd say, and that's South Lake Carroll. They've been on a roll. Uh, the Dragons continued their dominance this season. They remain undefeated after beating Euless Trinity. The score, 35-7 to in that one. Uh, the only thing that seemed to slow down Carroll was the 90-minute weather delay that hit a lot of schools uh, in the North Texas area. You were at this one. This went about as you expected. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Steve, our producer, the Trinity Trojan faithful. Um, I, I knew that the first quarter, I knew Trinity would come out and, and do what they do, and they did. Carroll actually uh, fumbled kind of the kickoff, the opening kickoff. Not a good start. Not a good start. They recovered at the four. Doesn't matter. They went uh, 12 plays and, and 96 yards and got a touchdown. Um, one of their top recruits, R.J. Mickens, who plays wide receiver as well, he caught a 26-yard pass from uh, Will Bowers, their quarterback. And then, you know, Trinity – they answered uh, with their own 10-play drive and, and, you know, continue to run and run like they always do. Uh, but that was it. You know, Carroll took over, went up 21-7 and half, and it was about midway through the, the halftime where the weather just started, you know, pouring rain. It kept the lightning and thunder wouldn't stop. And then, yeah, so about 90 minutes, uh, they came back on the field and uh, Carroll, you know, didn't score as much, but they still, you know, put up 14 more points and they, they held Trini in check. So, yeah, I kind of seemed, I, I kind of knew that it was going to be this way. Uh, Trini wasn't as tough. And I think Carroll, you know, went to the state quarterfinals last year, but I think this team's even better than that. So, well, I mean, you have, I think the scary thing for teams that have to deal with Carroll now is that obviously the offense uh, has been great all year, especially running the football, but defensively, I mean, hold a team to seven points it's a, that's in Euless Trinity that's a good offensive team you know you know they're not as good as you said as they have been in years past but that's still not an easy right. easy thing I mean Trinity was averaging almost 40 points a game and to only hold them to seven that that says a lot about the defense absolutely now moving on to a double header on Saturday that took place at the star in Frisco and another team that has been uh rolling the past couple years is Highland Park. They're one step closer to, and this is a really impressive feat. You know, I think about Alito in this category as well. Uh, Similarly, anyway, uh, with uh, Highland Park going for a third straight state title, they put a beat down on Timberview. Final score in that one was 52 to seven. This would be the, this is the 28th straight win for the Scots. They improved to 13 to no. I, and I had to check my my eyes and and the sheet here twice when I was reading this one. Highland Park scored 31 points in the first eight minutes. 
They had a lot of help from the fact that uh, Timberview, the Wolves turned it over four times. Uh, that and, and that game, you know, it, it went how we expected, but maybe not quite the score. Yeah, I mean, Timberview, they're in the same district. But, I mean, that first meeting, it was 42-7. to seven, So, I don't, you know, maybe some people thought it was going to go that way. I didn't think they were. I didn't think a team could score 31 points in eight minutes. Uh, but Timmerview just had a lot of trouble. I mean, they turned it over three straight times with, you know, on offense twice and then sandwiched in with a, a kickoff a fumble there. And so Highland Park got a lot of help and, you know, they kind of coasted and, yeah, just moving on, trying to go for that, that third straight state title. And they, I think that they certainly seem to be the favorite, if not if not one of the primary favorites, to to win that title in that uh, class. The nightcap, on the other hand, went down to the wire. Totally different game, huge game between Birdville and Grapevine. These two are district rivals. It went all the way to overtime. This is probably one of the best games, if not the best game you've seen this year. One of the best, uh, and it was like this the first front time they met in week six. Uh, Birdville won that one 24-20 with seconds left on the clock. And, and yeah, Birdville kind of – it looked like Birdville might have – was going to run away with this, but Grapevine hung around. Uh, they trailed 14-7 halftime, first play of the third quarter, 75-yard touchdown. Cade Rhodes to uh, David Clayton. They tied the game up. Uh, the Both offense kind of stalled a little bit. They were able to tie it up 21-21, go to overtime. Birdville got the ball first, scores. Ladarius Mixon, who had an incredible game, 37 carries, 185 yards, three touchdowns. We've talked about him a lot this year. Yeah, he's just been a workhorse. I mean, Birdville's, they have a good chance when he's 30, 35 carries. And uh, unfortunately, Grapevine trying to tie the game. First play of their overtime, and, you know, Cade Rhodes, he's looking at the sideline, trying to get a play in or something and I guess the center thought he was wanted to snap it and it, it, it went right past Cade and he tried to land on it he couldn't and Birdville recovered and they they won so t- tough break to win that way you know I know Cade Cade's a great kid and he's a senior uh, and so to lose that way it's it's tough but congrats to Birdville and uh yeah they're moving on here and uh we're going to talk to Coach uh, Holbrook after the game, and here's here's what he said. Every group is a special group. These seniors are awesome. These seniors uh, just provide the leadership. Juniors are talented, um, so it's a it's a real good fit. It's a real good chemistry of the bunch. So um, I'm so happy, I'm so happy for them. More than anything else, I'm happy for them because, like I told them, keep finding a way. Just yeah. keep finding a way. Yeah, and you know, Coach Holbrook's been with Birdville for a long time almost since they opened up the school back in uh, 99. He was assistant uh, on that 2012 state quarterfinal team, and now Birdville's back. And so congratulations to them uh, beating Grapevine there. Just looking at Birdville this season, you mentioned some of the history with them there. Where would you put them? I mean, I think you and others expected them to be good. I don't know if quite this good yeah i mean where how surprising has what they've you know because i don't don't want to call them a cinderella i mean we talk about haltem in that same category too right where do you rank them on that kind of surprise scale in terms of what they've been able to do yeah definitely i mean beginning the season teams like haltem and birdville you know weren't even on my 
my mind of being this good and here they are only one loss in the season you know I knew uh the Darius Mixon and Stone Earl, the quarterback, they're both juniors. And so they played very well last season as sophomores. They got that experience. You know, you kind of figure, you know, juniors, I don't know if they can keep it, you know, keep it going. Take the next step. And it takes it takes a lot to, to make that next yeah. step. Yeah. And so, I mean, kudos to them. They just – they don't break down. They just keep going. Like Coach Holbrook said, uh, they keep finding a way. And uh, they're moving on to the state quarterfinals. Shifting gears now, a battle of two more unbeaten teams, and this game was a little bit closer than I think most people anticipated. Alito did prevail over South Oak Cliff, uh, but the score, again, 28-14, probably a bit more of a challenge than Alito might have expected, not to say that they uh, that they are underprepared, because we know they usually are. JoJo Earl with two touchdowns in that one. Duncanville also staying perfect. They take down Lamar 45-6. to I guess I shouldn't say take down since they're expected to win that one. The Panthers scored 31 straight points in the second half. Um, one other game of note, Brock takes down Wall for the fourth time in five years. Brian, what are some of the other games uh, that you, and winners that you were looking at? Yeah, Reedy, uh, who Alito gets next, you know, also undefeated. Burleson Centennial, kind of another surprise team, but really was too much. They beat them there at uh, Dragon Stadium. Lake Ridge, another one of our area teams, hoping to you know reach the state quarters and, and beyond, but they got beat by Amarillo Tascosa, who in the previous week knocked out you know previously undefeated uh, Arlington. So, they, so I mean that team seems like uh, Tascosa seems like it's on a roll. What I talk about a real surprise team yeah. catching late and and. Interesting against Lakeridge, uh, they didn't attempt a single pass, 400, <laughs> 423 yards on the ground, and, and Lakeridge obviously couldn't stop them. Uh, a few more, you know, Argyle came back to beat Salina uh, to stay perfect. Glenn Rose and Decatur also won, and then Allen and the Woodlands. Uh, I believe the Woodlands was the last team to beat Allen. That's and, right. And I, I, I don't really remember what year it was, but this one was a close one, and Allen pulled it off 31-24. Yeah, that it, it again. Talk about surprises in terms of individual games. I, I saw that score. I did a little reading on it, and it, it seemed to be actually as close as the score indicated. Which I mean, I know that the Woodlands and Allen have, like you mentioned, have that history, but I saw that, and that seemed like a little surprising to me, considering how motivated and and kind of dominant Allen has been all year. Yeah, I think maybe I don't know if some people thought this was going to be a two or three score game. But yeah, I, I just trying to keep in keeping up with the score, and it was like back and forth. I think the Woodlands even had a lead there, uh, but Allen prevailed, and uh, you know now if they can move on, they would actually get that winner of the Duncanville Carroll game next round. Um, and so a lot of local area teams, right? You know, close and and not necessarily district rivalries or anything like that, but obviously the teams that are aware of one another, familiar with one another. Yeah, and then another one finally is uh, our. Well, not are, but we've been talking about them a lot. Halton Buffaloes, they they win Rolling. again. They beat Hebron, uh, forty-one to thirty. They actually had to come back in that game too. Uh, Michael Black was just sensational. He had a uh, ninety-yard touchdown run at one point, uh, four hundred and three yards total, I think. Halton now thirteen and zero. You know, it's the, the furthest run in the playoffs in program history. You know, c- congrats to Coach Jason Tucker, uh, who's up for the. Landry Award Coach of the Year uh, next week. But, 
So a lot of things on his a lot of things on his plate. Right. He's going. He's on a roll himself. So, uh, but yeah, Haltom and Birdville, you know, they're in the same school district, and so to see two teams go to the state quarterfinals is is really great. I I I gotta say it's the first time two from there have reached this far. And actually, I talked to Coach Holbrook uh, from Birdville after and asked him about you know what's it mean to have two teams go to the quarterfinals. Uh, Mr. Ferris, or AD walked out. The first question I asked him yeah. is if they won, because I'm, I'm, I'm so happy for that group over there. Uh, Coach Tucker's an awesome guy. That's, man, it's awesome. Uh, couldn't be more excited for them. I know they feel the same way. Uh, we're congratulating each other all the time. So uh, just keep, I hope we keep going. Speaking of two 13-0 teams, uh, another one with uh, kind of North Texas DFW uh, implications and that that's Alito taking on Reedy Friday night at Pennington Field. Both again, like I mentioned, both of those teams undefeated, thirteen and zero. Alito is number one in the state, uh, and Frisco Reedy is number nine. Are you going to this one? I am going. I'm excited for it. Not a lot of Friday games uh, in our area. Also expected rain on Friday, so a lot of teams are moving their games to. Uh, Thursday night, but uh, Alito and Reedy seem to get kicked off there at 7.30 at Pennington. It's going to be interesting because uh, it's kind of David versus Goliath, if you will, uh, or like I say, it's little brother versus big brother because Reedy is only their third season playing varsity. They started their first year 3-7, uh, and seven, go to 9-2, and two, now they're 13-0. and 0. And congrats to the, the team, the coach, uh, Chad Cole, I just feel like when, you know, you start a program and you can talk about, you know, Midlothian Heritage, even Brock, who's been around now four or five years. I got to figure when they start their team, they kind of look at maybe Alito or right. Carroll. Because schools that have expanded right. out and you're starting, starting you, new. You want to think, uh, what can we do to reach that level? So I have to figure Chad Cole thought about what, you know, look at Alito. Look at the team across us on Friday. That's where we want to be. And so now they're 13-0, and it should be a good one. Alito, we know about Alito. Right, I mean, the old hat by now. But, yeah. I mean, what's that? I mean, it's cliche, but to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? And right. that's I'm sure that's how Reedy's looking at it. And I'm sure Alito, we've, we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, was they're, I think they're a little hungrier after coming up short in the state final last year, which is great for most teams, but not for Alito. Right. And, uh, but yeah, it's uh, Alito's trying for their, if they won a state title, it'd be their eighth, would tie a UIL record. Uh, we know about Jace McClellan, the Oklahoma commit, and Josh Foskey, the quarterback for Reedy, putting up incredible numbers. So I'm looking forward to this one. Then moving over, but we have a triple header at the star. Uh, Highland Park and John Tyler are going to start things off at one. Um, you're going to be at this game. Do you expect John Tyler to to put up a fight here, or is, or do you think Highland Park really just just keeps rolling? I do. I, I really. I think this is going to be a, a great game, and actually, I will be there for all three. Uh, we're going to have Rick Mock is actually going to be writing this game, but uh, you know, I want to be there and, and watch. So, yeah, I don't think Highland Park's going to store. 31 points in eight minutes again. No, probably no. That's that's pretty hard to do. Tyler's, you know, those East Texas teams, Tyler is, is known for their football. They've been good for a long time. Uh, they're coming off a great win against Frisco Lone Star. 
who actually started the year uh, ranked in the top 10. And so, yeah, it's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, yeah, I would probably go with Highland Park still. But it's going to be a lot closer than uh, most people are going to think. Now, that I, this probably is going to be the game of the week, probably even on the field, the best matchup of the week. It's a 430 game. You have number five, Duncanville, and number six, Carroll. Again, geography, teams that are pretty close to one another, both teams undefeated. I mean, the, the stakes could not be higher. The winner of this one, I mean, more than likely, we think, will face Allen in the state semifinals. I mean, this the, looking at that kind of progression, this this is the one where I look at it and say, okay, we're down to it, right? I mean, we're getting to the point where pretty much all of these teams are either red hot or or they're undefeated or have one loss and are expected to be here. And this Carol Duncan game, I think pretty much is a is a poster child for that yeah at least at least on paper this is the game of the year up to this point hopefully it lives up to that hype a lot of similarities in in the two teams uh they they rely on the run first but they can pass uh, a lot of weapons on the outside you know both quarterbacks are dual threat quarterbacks and their their, their defense has been playing great you know Duncanville. Their secondary, I, I talked to a couple of people this year, and they believe Duncanville might have the best secondary in the state. Uh, they have three or four guys that are committed to FBS schools, just big-time talent. You look across the way at Carroll, you know, the names you might not recognize, but uh, that doesn't stop them from playing really well. well like, Coach Dodge obviously has them right in the right place. Undefeated, 13-0. Uh, like we said, gave up seven to Trinity, so... This, this, I'm looking forward to this one. I mean, other than that Alito Reedy game, I think this is the game of the week. And uh, yeah, it, it's just tough. It's tough to pick. It, it's kind of like a coin flip. I, I really, I really can't pick right now. It just, it's well, well, you could, you could, you're gonna have to pick eventually. You know, I mean, I don't, I haven't seen Duncanville all year long, but a lot of people love Duncanville. They think they're the second best team uh, in the area behind Allen. I don't think Carroll's far off, but, uh, you know, I guess I'd have to lean towards Carroll because it's it's one of our teams. We cover them all season long. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I could be going with the Dragons. Yeah, but it's going to be a close one. And and for me, and, and I don't know if you can agree or disagree, obviously that Duncanville-Carroll game probably has the most glitz uh, in terms of storied programs and the stakes and both teams being undefeated. But the last game on that day is another district rematch. And, and we've talked about a lot about how it's tough to beat a team, a good team, a really good team twice uh, in a season. And Ryan is going to have to try to do that with Birdville. Ryan handed Birdville, uh, sorry, excuse me. That game's at 8 PM. Ryan handed Birdville. It's only loss of the season. And, and it wasn't particularly close 49, 28. And that was in week 11 for the district championship. Again, tough to beat a team twice. Birdville, again, I don't want to call it a Cinderella, but they're definitely on a, an unexpected run. Ryan's number three. I think they're about where they sh- people projected them to be. I, I, re- I, I If I were to pick a game, I'd really want to pick Ver- Birdville, but that score kind of makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, like you said, it's just tough to uh, win twice, uh, but if anyone's going to do it, it's probably going to be Ryan. You know, they're right up there. I mean, I think with Highland Park, uh, the last two years they've been, they've reached the state semifinals where unfortunately Highland Park's ended their season both times. 
even with Spencer Sanders gone, who was the Gatorade Player of the Year last season, he's now at Oklahoma State, still putting up you know historic numbers. Uh, just of note of that Week 11 matchup, Birdville actually came out and uh, led 14 to zero, and then I think Ryan put 42 straight on him, Oof. and uh, that was it. But just Gain that sense after that Birdville grapevine game and, and listening to Coach Holbrook uh, post game and all that, talking to his kids, just they're ready for this. Uh, they're ready to get that revenge on them. You know, Ryan is very good, particularly on defense. I think they're up to 16 defensive touchdowns on the season. It's like, it's like more than a, turn, a defensive touchdown per game. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, there's got to be some teams in the state who haven't even scored 16 on offense all season long and Ryan scoring 16 on defense. So <laughs> obviously the the biggest key for Birdville is uh, taking care of the ball. Don't turn it over because odds are you turn it over, they're going to they're gonna score. They're going <laughs> to score for six. But, yeah, they're just they're, – Birdville's on a roll right now. Stone Earl's playing great. Ladarius Mixon uh, we talked about. So, yeah, this, this is going to be a good one. Uh, you know, if you're going to – if you're free on Saturday, please go to the Star, and uh, you're going to see some great games. A few other games to keep an eye on, starting with Waco La Vega and Argyle. That game's Friday night in Midlothian. Um, Allen looks to keep rolling uh, when they take on Waco Midway. That game's at 2 p.m. on Saturday uh, down at Baylor's McLean Stadium. And then we're going to the, – the other game, we're going to see if Haltom can slow down Tuscosa. Uh, that game's at 3 p.m on Saturday at Lubbock's Jones Stadium out in Lubbock. Brian, what, what are your thoughts going into the weekend? Yeah, uh, watch for that Allen Midway matchup. Midway, you know, they kind of got blown out by Trinity in the season opener. I think it was 37-7. Since then, I don't think they've they've lost a game. Midway, they were the 6A uh, D2 state runner-ups last season. Uh, obviously a tall task. Kind of, I mean, it's a home game right they're playing at Baylor but Allen just played at McLean Stadium against the Woodlands so it's not I mean they're used to that venue so it, that should be a good game and then hold some see if they can keep their magic going uh, just uh, some other ones here Brock another one of our area teams who just continue they just seem like they always go to the state quarter state semis they play shallow water in Sweetwater on Thursday and then we also have Glen Rose and Iowa Park on Friday. And, uh, you know, if you need to find any of our pairings, please go to star-telegram.com, dfwvarsity.com. Shout out to our uh, colleague uh, Darren Lauber for finding those uh, statewide pairings. And we'll, we'll sort of wrap up here with, with a note on a story that uh, Brian, not only Brian and I, well, Brian wrote a story, uh, but, the, but the topic we'll start with is coaching salary database for all the five and six A schools in the entire state of Texas, the Star-Telegram staff, and not just Brian and myself, but a bunch of our other colleagues, uh, Drew Davison, Stephen Stevenson, William Wilkerson. Uh, we, we all put these together, and, and if you want to check it out again on, on DFW Varsity or star-telegram.com, both the websites have them, and uh, you, you can see how much your, uh, your high school or high schools in your area your head coach makes um, and, and kind of the scale. And, it's, and it, honestly, it ranges from 47,000, 48,000 up, up north of 100, almost 160,000. Right. Uh, just a lot of data to take in. Uh, 
Hank Carter, the uh, late great, uh, late Travis head coach, he's making the most. I think he's at 153 now, and and just across the way, Todd Dodge, uh, Riley's dad at Westlake, is is second with 150. So uh, it's interesting to see with some of these coaches how much they make. Yeah, no, and we, and there's something that we talked about. You know, you know the story that we've. This is the third year that the Star Telegram has done this, and Brian and I talked about. You know, it. it it has drawn a lot of interest in the past couple of years, but this year it, it, we haven't seen quite as much. I mean, do you think there's a bit of fatigue about something that's, well, you know, we've seen the number, you know, people have seen the number. They're a little bit, I don't know, I want to say over it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same as last year. And so people, unless there's new coaches and whatnot, you know, they might not click on it, but uh, it's still early. It, it's only right. been, it's not even been 24 hours. So, there might be some time, but uh, but yeah, it it always does great traffic. Uh, the last two or three years, it gets people talking. It gets people. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is people don't realize uh, what it takes to be a head coach. You know, they just think, you know, you go to the practice, you go to the game. Most of these coaches, they're athletic directors. They're putting sixteen-hour days. You know, the the main question is. Well, what about teachers, right? Right, it's, right. The teachers usually comment, you know, can we get more and stuff, and we're doing more. But, no, I mean, coaches really, uh, they put in a lot of hours, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. I mean, you know, those long Friday nights at, at game days. Most of them started as teachers, so they've just kind of worked their way up. But uh, this, the money just didn't fall out of the sky. You know, they right. had to work for it, and so – a lot of these coaches are deserving of what what they make. Well, yeah, and I it's and obviously you can't satisfy everyone, and there's ne- almost there's o- you can always have more money. There's never enough money to go around. But I don't I don't think that things are necessarily mutually exclusive. Like you said, I think the coaches get paid a lot and and work very hard for what they earn. But obviously, there's a problem with uh, educational spending and not All enough right. money in the education system, particularly when it comes to the teachers. So I think. It can be both. It doesn't have to be necessarily an either or scenario. Um, I think that's that's the takeaway. And and obviously the 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 I mean you know we we did a story on college athletic spending. Not to get too far off track, but you know and and we looked at just Allen for example about about ticket revenue. And I think that I think it was it was Allen was close to or, or almost more than UNT did in ticket revenue. Uh, which which is is crazy, but the return for how much they've invested in that stadium and the coach and the program, there is some there. Yeah, uh, that, and that, that just kind of reminds me of the state title games when Allen plays at AT&T, and uh, I think it was 2014 where they had maybe 60,000 people go to that 6A Division One game. I think it was Allen and uh, Cypress Creek or someone. And and they were saying, well, this is more than what these some of these early bowl games, some more people, <laughs> right? And um, yeah, so it's all it's revenue, and and Allen is on top of that list. Uh, but yeah, it's it's crazy to see some of these numbers. And and the end, I think the bottom line is as as you know, you look at the numbers, some of the numbers, whether it's ticket revenue or coaching sellers on the surface, and you know they are big numbers, and you look at it and you say, well, wow, that, that's a that's a big number. The interest is there. Yeah. I mean, people. I mean, the the football is king, and and it cares and it returns. So I think that's what if if the money wouldn't be there if the interest wasn't there. Right. And uh, talking about the stories that I've done, the the one I did was on the Chris family. 
And if you're in the DFW football area, you know who the Chris's are. Anthony uh, talked to him last week. He's the head coach at Sam Houston. His brother Zach's at uh, Wyatt, which is kind of where this whole thing started was at O.D. Wyatt. Uh, Their dad, Willie, uh, started in 1961, and he coached for almost uh, 50 years. But the story, the, the interesting thing of how the growth of the salaries have been, 1961, uh, Willie, his first month, he made $217. That's probably how much one of his, his interns or assistants makes now. Right. And, and Anthony was talking about, um, you know, if you, if you broke it down to by hour, because he was, he was, again, from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., and a lot of those coaches, you know, they weren't making anything back then, anyways. But no, and no stadiums, no gear. Oh no, no, none, none of, that. of that. And uh, yeah, you broke it down to by hour, and it was like less than minimum wage. <laughs> and now he he got as high as fifty five thousand. And then you know, Anthony now he's the top. He's tied with Bob Wager for Martin for the the most um, in Tarrant County. Uh, one hundred and twenty-three thousand, just a little more than one hundred twenty-three thousand. So, just to see that progression, it's, and he he noted it, it's going to continue. I mean, someone's going to make one eighty, someone's going to make two hundred thousand. It's just the way it's going. Yeah, no, it's crazy, and it's 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 wild to think that you know in twenty twenty-five years you could be talking about a four hundred that three hundred thousand four hundred thousand dollar football coach. And again, we don't want to make you relive the whole Hal Watson saga with. With oh, yeah. South Lake, but one thing that we're looking at maybe potentially down the road is some of these coaches, uh, and the one that came to mind for me, not in our area, but Ed Couch Elsa let, uh, fired a coach in, in the middle of his first season for not winning a game, and there was a buyout clause. Now, I, I'm not remembering the exact specifics, but just think, try to wrap your head around that. A high school football coach has a, potentially making six figures has a buyout. I, I mean, that's that, – I mean, you're, when, when is it – Gonna be? Are we in college football now? Are we already yeah. there? I mean, that's what that's what Hal Watson did. Right. He, he bought out. Um, I don't really remember um, the exact number, but yeah. And um, you know, it's it's one thing I'll say that a lot of people don't know. Uh, it, it's obviously it's more than just coaching. Um, like Anthony talks about, he's very passionate about it, making an impact on kids. I mean, Sam Houston. They they struggle every year. They went three and seven this season, only one playoff appearance in his eight years. But it's more about that, and uh, it's about how long you've done it. He's been do- doing it for thirty two years, so there's a reason why he's making one hundred twenty three thousand. It's it's not like the next coach at Sam is going to jump in at one hundred twenty three. He's going to start at you know the bottom, which is I guess I don't know ninety ninety five thousand. Even even you know Riley Dodge at South Lake, you know people thought. He's gonna come in. He's gonna make one hundred thirty thousand. It's it's Salt Lake Carroll. No, he's at, I think he's at ninety seven or ninety eight. Well, yeah, but but you have to do that because again of the scale, right? It's right. gonna keep sliding up. Yeah. So, uh, the, a lot of the people, our fans, are please continue to be our fans, even though you might not agree with us. Uh, that's the truth. Is you know you have to work your way up and on the ladder and. Uh, Randy Allen's another good good example at Highland Park. I mean, he's been doing it for 45 years, so there's a reason he's making 133000 Absolutely, and again, if you want to go check that out, that is online. Uh, Brian, do you have any more final thoughts heading into the weekend? I know there's, there's, there's obviously still a ton of games out there. Yeah, uh, just a quick note about 
the TAP schools, private schools, their state finals are this week in both 11-man and 6-man. We, we still have some teams going there. Uh, we'll start at the bottom with Division Three Six Man, which is the the smallest possible uh, in the state, and that's Weatherford Christian. They're playing Baytown Christian Thursday over in Waco uh, for that state title. We also have Willow Park Trinity Christian going for the D three Eleven Man state title, and then Lake Country Christian in Division Four. And look out for a story uh, that I'll be writing for that. They're playing uh, Shiner St. Paul. Three generations of the Whites uh, family. Wade Whites, the head coach, his dad is an assistant. And then uh, Wade's son, Hayden, is a sophomore and and probably one of the better players on that team. And so they're all going to the, the state final as a as a family. Family affair. Yeah. And, uh, and then one just quick basketball note, Tuesday night, looking forward to it. At Northwest, number two, Northwest hosting number one, Mansfield Timberview in boys basketball, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, tip off. So that'll be a good game. Look out for that score there. All right, that'll do it for this week for the quarter fi- quarterfinal uh, preview and the wrap up for the previous round of the state playoffs. Be sure to catch all our uh, content, Brian's content as well, on uh, dfwvarsity.com as well as star telegram dash telegram.com excuse me as well as our twitter and facebook pages everybody enjoyed the games this weekend and we will catch you next time